You're listening to a Southern Star Media Production. Hello and welcome to From A to C, the second in our new series of swimming podcasts as part of our In the News series from the Southern Star. My name is Siobhan Cronin and this week I am talking to journalist, author and regular sea swimmer Cathy Donaghy, whose new book Finding My Wild, How a Move to the Edge Brought Me Home is a stunning debut published by O'Brien Press. Cathy, a journalist for almost 30 years, is married to broadcaster and journalist Richard Curran and the couple live in Inishowen in Donegal with their two boys, Dallin and Oriel, and the story of their move to Donegal is where the book starts. Now, Cathy, welcome. Thank you, Siobhan. Lovely to talk to you. Brilliant. And um, just to start, the, the first chapter of the book is a lovely piece about Donegal and Inishowen, and it's close to my own heart because, as you probably know, my mother was from Malinhead, so I know that area quite well myself. Um, but you also talk about being diagnosed with depression in college and how you moved home and then how so many years later you moved home again. So maybe just talk us through that little bit, you know, about how you found it was really um, it was a kind of a place that kind of healed your soul and how you felt you needed to go back there a second time around. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, um, you know, I, I talk about the depression. And it goes back to a time in my life. I was in third year in college and I talk in the book about how I didn't see it coming, Siobhan. It, it sort of just sort of appeared like a mist and, and and literally like a mist or a fog, a heavy fog. I could not see a way out of it and I didn't know what it was. I had no clue what this these feelings were. I just knew that I I didn't want to get out of bed. I was just you know really really low I could cry I had no energy I had no enthusiasm for life I was lethargic friends didn't recognize me anymore um I could sleep all day I, I actually was very lucky to, to 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 get out of college that year in terms of pass my exams because it was just it, the year was just I, I struggled to just literally put one foot in front of the other that's what it felt like mm-hmm. but I talk about um getting help you know getting I was lucky that um I met a really wonderful counselor who gave me really, I think, some great tools to, to cope with it. And I suppose that early experience of depression in my life taught me something that I never took my mental health for granted again. Right. But she, she gave me some tools that I carried with me that I was, I think, my my depression, part of it was a homesickness, not, not, not a, a, a missing home, but in a way that I really, really deeply felt that if I'm not in an Ashon, can I actually be happy in the world? It was so formative for me. My love of place and home was so strong in the natural world. I didn't know if I could be happy in a world that wasn't the world that I'd grown up in. Even though I want, I had all these dreams to be a journalist and set out and do something different with my life. I didn't know if I could cope without this place. And this this wonderful counsellor, you know, she gave me something that I held on to. And, and it was almost like a free, she freed me. She said, you know, Donegal isn't just a place on a map. And Ishon isn't just this place on a map. She said, you know, it's, it's, it's in your heart. You know, you carry it. It's in your accent. It's in everything that informs you. So the way you see the world is that's in Ishon. So it was almost like a liberation. I felt it was like the first little step to healing. I felt I can go out into this world now because it's in me. And so in effect, are you kind of saying everybody has their own Ishon? 
I think, I, Siobhan, I have no doubt about it. We just, we sometimes, we maybe you're not from a place of, of, of wildness and I live in a peninsula, the, you know, the extreme edge of the country. But I think that everybody, and I think that's really the, the, the core of finding my wild is that everybody has a place in their heart. You know, it may be the beach, it may be, but it may be the woods, it may be getting lost somewhere, but you know where that place is. You just have to tap into it again. And for me, finding my wild, yes, and shown is it for me, but I think everybody has that place, that core of themselves where they feel centered and it's where their heart is at ease and where they feel at home. And whatever that is, whatever that wildness, I call it wild because Inishona is pretty wild. And for me, it is a wild place that, that stirs up all those feelings of home. But I think everybody's got that place inside them. They just, they just maybe have to look for it a wee bit sometimes. Well, I suppose that's why it's very relevant to us down here because we're the total opposite end of the country. Um, but we have our own wildness down here. I mean, I, I just love nothing better than walking out to Mizzenhead and standing on the bridge there and looking at the sea crashing below me. And on the calmest day, it seems wild out there. So I like I, to I totally get that. You get that. I think the extremities of the country do that, you know, and I, I, I almost think, you know, you know, whether you're in the extreme north as I am or in the south as you are, I think in these these places on the edge of this island, I think that you really you can sense that sort of um, expanse. And um, a connection with nature, that. I suppose you're, yeah. you're closest to nature. And, yeah. and so you 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 went you went back to Donegal in college. But but then you subsequently had a really good, successful career in Dublin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hands up. I worked I worked with Richard. He was my boss for a while. And I met you in the independent. And I remember yeah. you being very dynamic this beautiful amazing woman you know sweeping in looking like you know the world was her oyster but at some stage in your life you felt you had to leave you had to leave all that behind and leave the city and that was a major wrench for you but but you braved it and off you went so tell us a little bit about that that move yeah well Siobhan and, and sometimes I think when I think looking back you know and I I, I look back at those years you know as a staff journalist in the independent and really fond memories of of you and 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 you know when when Rich and I both worked there I I you know though I think they were the happiest working years of my life I I actually I loved that period in Middle Abbey Street it was wonderful but um yeah I think you know it coincided I suppose with the birth of our first child um and there was almost like <clears throat> a fault line was 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 drawn within me because there was that um you know the the part of yourself that's you know ambitious for yourself and in in a work way but once my first son came along i just you know the heart really won out because i realized that i want to be home for a few years i want to actually you know be home and do the things i want to make this dinner and i want to look after him i want to take care of him and i want to you know for for the early years of his life i definitely felt yeah, I, I I have this this pull to be home, and I think when he was born, even though Richard and I, I think we were both from the country as well, you know. So you know, we've been talking for years about well, what could a life outside of Dublin look like? Could we make our lives work? Could we do? I mean, our jobs we didn't, you know, national media they weren't exactly transferable, um, and technology wouldn't have allowed us to 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 make leaps like that. But I suppose what happened was, you know, technology did start to change things broadened out a bit it looked like you know maybe this isn't a pipe dream and also I think really Siobhan we just had to leap 
we just had to jump and for me this little weird saying kept coming up jump and the net will appear so it almost seemed like too big too huge you know leave i was working in rt at the time leave my job you know leave our home move to Donegal get how is this possible like I, I I've worked so hard to get to a certain point in my career and I thought that's not possible but it was funny all these little serendipitous signs started appearing that was it was like it was like a path was opening up to show us you know what this is the right way this is the right path and um and so so we did we moved we left we sold up and we you know drove up the road and we and we settled in Donegal and um, our second child had been born at that point. He was just five months old when we left. And it did at times seem like madness. But even I never doubted it. I never doubted in my heart. My head might have said something different. But my heart said, this is you're doing the right thing. You're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And I just kept coming back to that, you know. But you had a really difficult first Christmas, Kathy, in Donegal, didn't you? You had had a miscarriage and you um as some people would say you went to the bad you had a really tough time I know you hit the, your friends you hit the drink a little bit over that Christmas and and you struggled a lot so um like talk us through how how you pulled yourself out of that darkness again so this was the second time I suppose in your life that you were feeling at rock yeah. bottom and yeah it, it was and, and Siobhan by that first Christmas actually our first Christmas in Donegal I'd had I'd had two miscarriages the second one had been horrific um um and it, it, it resulted in me um hemorrhaging and not only worried or you know lost that you know I'm losing I've lost my baby but I'm also in fear for my life now because we live 45 minutes from Letterkenny Hospital and the roads are not great and um you know I was also in fear for my own life um and a fight or flight definitely kicked in so that Christmas you know seemed very bleak you know, I, I saw my life, it sounds, it sounds difficult to say that this was how I saw my life going. Three children, you know, uh, it sounds presumptuous and, and I, and I, it sounds presumptuous because I know now that, you know, when you roll that pregnancy dish, you never know what way it's going to go. And I'd already had, you know, two children and I was blessed with that, with those two children. And, and I suppose that what happened afterwards made me realise how fraught and how difficult this road can be for people it's not straightforward at all my two my two pregnancies with my sons were like falling off a log they were textbook pregnancies everything went like just so perfectly and then everything that could possibly go wrong afterwards um and my experience of recurrent miscarriage did go wrong and it left me with um you know, really, really quite traumatized after the experience of, of miscarriage and then and, and hemorrhage. And then, you know, then there was a series of miscarriages after that. So I actually thought, what the hell have I done to my life? I've, I've blown it up. And now all of this is hell is raining down on me, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a few years of very of, 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 of real just wondering what in hell is going on. And I think as well as that, you know, miscarriage does something to your heart and your head and and it affects every aspect of your life not just people think it's just your fertility but it's actually it's woven into the entire fabric of your being you know it's it's your head it's your heart it's your body and I sort of went to war with my body I I, I looked on myself with distrust um and I, I I my body became a battleground where I had lost these babies and uh, I, I gave myself a very hard time about that and and it took some years to forgive myself there was nothing to forgive 
Mm. You know, that was just life, you know. But what, uh, it, it was nothing wrong. But it was nature, really, wasn't it, that pulled yeah. that pulled you back? And you've a really beautiful chapter in the book about foxes and and stones in particular. And you have a lovely story about, you know, how you used to collect these stones all the time and carry them around with you. And you never thought much about it, except that you thought they were nice stones. And you met a man on the beach one day and he t he he gave you a little line that you took mm, from it. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, it was amazing. You know, I found myself um, when I started to write um, Finding My Wild, I found myself in a beach at Malinhead in a little cottage. It's so remote. It's probably the most northerly cottage in the country. And um, it's it's so beautiful. And the beach there is, uh, these are mountainous waves. You would never dare swim there. In fact, you would just be, you, you wouldn't even paddle there. It's, it's just one of these really wild places. And there was a man I used to meet. I would go down for my walk in the morning, write for the day and go down in the evening and write. Uh, my friend owns the cottage and she kindly let me stay there while I was writing the book. And I met this man and he, he, it was like he could see into my soul because he said, oh, you collect the stones too. You like the stones too. And I said, well, you know, I do, but I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm quite, I, I love picking them up and, and, you know, taking them home as if they're little talismans or, you know, what, what they'll bring to my life. And he just said, you know, sometimes you let the stones go, but they're, they're their own answers. Do you know what I mean? And I just thought he, 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 he feels the same about these little things in life that the universe offers it, itself up. But sometimes letting them go is, is okay too. And, and maybe there is no answer and just releasing it all. And it was almost like the people you meet along the journey, if you're open to meeting these people, I believe they come into your life. And it was funny. Um, I didn't know that man, but he, he came to the launch of my book. I said, you know, I'm writing this book. Would you come? Because what you've said to me really means a lot. And himself and his wife, and, and, they, and they came and we talked again. And I think that sometimes there's so much wisdom when when you open yourself up to encounters with strangers it's wonderful you know absolutely and um and then I suppose you kind of went from beachcombing nearly to to like discovering the beauty of swimming which is why we're, we're talking today and yeah. um I thought it was interesting you've written a nice little piece about the female body and it's something that I often find is that um I think everyone looks better in in togs than in clothes for some reason but uh, you had a nice piece here about it and you say in my work I have spoken to many women who've told me how their relationship with their bodies changed over the years and most particularly when they started swimming there in the company of other women on the beach they shed inhibitions they'd gathered and held for a lifetime the water gave them permission to be fully themselves and they embraced the feeling and kept going back for more remarks made in a woman's youth can last a lifetime women's bodies are still the brunt of so many jokes catcalls and insults these small and not so small woundings can stay with us forever when will society realize that another woman's body is not its business we are all different shapes and sizes in the water it doesn't matter what shape that body is. And I just think that's lovely. And um, and you also write really beautifully about some of the friendships you've made through sea swimming. So tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, I've, I've, I've met, I mean, not all my friends are sea swimmers, but I think um, there's something about going to the water with with another woman, you know, if um, and and it, it breaks. It's a, it's a strange thing. I think, Siobhan, that, you know, peeling off your clothes at the edge of a beach um, it's like you you get rid of layers of 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 you know you don't have to do the same groundwork that you do with friendships and you know you get we're not 
children or teenagers anymore where you know friendships are easily formed but there's something about shedding of clothes and getting it immersing into water it's like it strips away all of those that groundwork and digging that you have to do to be friends it's like we know we want to be friends so we're going to presume that and, and when we're come to this space together to do this activity to swim together it's like you're making a pact with one another we already know we want to be friends so we're going to go from you know not to 60 perhaps in relationship terms and I think when you get to a certain age you know you want that in your life you know you you don't have time to you know to, to spend we've got so many other things in our lives like children juggling this work we, we, our friendships they've got to they've be got natural to be and easy natural and, mm. and I think that's what it does and and yeah, some of some of my my closest friends, and I think as well as that, afterwards, you know, there's that 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 sense of achieving something together, being in there, being in the cold water and the elements, coming out and having your cup of tea. It's almost like you're ready. You will, you know, you've already been opened by the cold, and and so you are more raw and more open and more vulnerable. And and there's a sharing that happens. Think when when you go to that space with another woman and it's very natural it's not contrived and um it you know I've done read a lot about vulnerability especially I suppose since the experience of, of recurrent miscarriage and I think that if we show up as our true selves you know without all the layers of, of stuff that we wear and artifice and swimming does that naturally mm. it takes away all of that stuff because sometimes you're afraid sometimes like oh I'm afraid of the cold oh I'm not feeling it today I'm a bit bloated I'm a bit you know I'm not comfortable in my skin but you get in there in the company of a friend and you're ready to be real that's what I think is the beauty of it and the friendships that you carve out sometimes at the edge of the ocean they're just so beautiful and and also you have a lovely piece about this lighthouse that you used to look out at and you eventually one day decided you were going to swim out there. I thought that was a lovely piece. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that lighthouse and, and why you, you were know, I, think, I think, yeah, I think the lighthouse has become such a catalyst for a lot of the changes in my life. Um, you know, I would look out at this lighthouse. It's so beautiful. It sits right in the middle of Loch Foyle. It's architecturally just perfect. And it sits right in the centre of, of Loch Foyle, which is essentially a salty inlet of the Atlantic Ocean. It's tidal, it moves really, really fast. The water in Loch Foyle moves faster than Michael Phelps can swim. So you can't outswim it, it is, it is incredible. Um, but I've been looking at it and driving up and down the road and thinking, wouldn't that be amazing to swim out to that lighthouse? Had anybody ever done it? And in fact, people did do it. But um, I thought, I, I this notion came into my head that I want to become a good enough swimmer to get out there and back mm. safely. Um, now it took time swimming is small increments of improvement sometimes you think you're going nowhere it can be like stuck in treacle you know you feel like I'm going backwards actually mm-hmm. but um, in small increments your, your your progress of a swimmer maybe over the course of a year you really notice the change but not you know not in in a month you know people mm-hmm. think that I'm going to be a really good swimmer in a month it's just it's it's a long it's the long, it's long slog yeah it's the long <laughs> slog um, but in a way you know that's the beauty of it too it's not easy and it's not going to offer itself up to you easily but if you really it's want a bit it, like life itself Kathy isn't it you take it think, step at I a time I think it is Siobhan you know but um the lighthouse became like this this sort of ideal for me um and I also the, the symbolism of it as well you know it's so beautiful sitting out there and it's, it is like a beacon you know and for me it was it was a place that maybe I'll reach someday and I thought you know it became this this kind of a 
like a beating heart in the middle of the in the middle of the the, the lock for me. So with with training and practice, um, a few years ago, myself and some good friends swam out to it on the most beautiful, perfect summer's day, and it was it was like it was like swimming in silk. The foil is choppy today. There's a big wind on it, and it's it, you wouldn't go into it today. But on that day, it was like, and the, the water was warm, and you know, you just heard your own breathing. I had my support crew were Richard and the kids and, and kayaks, everybody that did, the four of us that did it, we all had our own support team. And we got out there and we were all of a sudden we were looking up at the lighthouse from underneath and we swam back. And it was just this feeling of of euphoria. And I look at it now and I think every day I it's it's still a beacon for me. And I think, oh yeah, we were out there and it was just a day of magic. And but as much as that, the journey to getting there, Siobhan, I mean not just that physical swim, but I mean the journey as a swimmer. Of, of progression of putting in the long hours and the cold mornings and the practices and the you know you can do this and you know all of that journey made it so worthwhile and um that, I suppose that's the journey of the swimmer as you say it's the journey of life if you really want something it's not going to just offer itself up to you um and and that lighthouse for me it's it represents so much of the change in my life I suppose as well well Kathy I just want to end by saying it's an absolutely fabulous fabulous book um it's it's really one woman's journey like through life through ireland through careers uh, family like it's all in there but i i read it again today for the second time i was reading through it before the interview and i just thought it's so so beautifully written so i, I really wish you all all the best with it and i'm hoping we might be able to entice you down to west cork for a little I have swim to go down and get a swim down there Siobhan. you won't have to entice too hard thank you so much Thanks for listening to the Southern Stars in the News podcast. This episode was produced and presented by Southern Star editor Siobhan Cronin and edited by me, Dylan Mangan. This was the second episode in our new A to C series focusing on sea swimming. So if you enjoyed it, please be sure to check out our first interview with Total Immersion Swim Coach Melissa Duncan. And please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. For stories like this and more, visit southernstar.ie forward slash podcasts where you can swim through previous episodes and be sure to pick up a copy of this Thursday's newspaper in shops across West Cork or online via subscribe.southernstar.ie. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another Southern Star Media podcast production. Stay connected to West Cork by subscribing to our e-paper and support local quality and trusted journalism visit www.subscribe.southernstar.ie